So how many of you, when you woke up this morning, just told God, God, I wish I could just go to the beach today? Any of you? There were way more in the first service that wished they could have gone to the beach than they were here to the second service today. This is, uh, we, we left this up because, number one, I wanted you to see the incredible amount of talent and work that has gone into an evangelistic outreach that we know as, as VBS or Kids Camp. Um, I had the opportunity of, of serving both in our first session and second. We've had so many kids and families respond that we couldn't do it all in one session. So we had a session that uh, the workers were, I think, there at 8.30 in the morning through about 12.30 in the afternoon. Then we had a little break. And then again in the evening from 5.30 in the evening till 8.30 in the evening. So for those of you that worked sessions, can I just, if you worked this week in any way or you helped in decorations, would you just stand up this morning? Can we just recognize and, and I want you to just give a round of applause this morning. Last week, each of you were given a card of a child's name that was going to be attending this week, and um, I was given the name of a child that I did not know, but I got to meet her on the very first night, and there was this really interesting connection, because it was a girl that doesn't normally come to our church, that, that I thought, how interesting that God had planted this little name on my heart, and I got to pray for all week, and I got to watch as she responded to the call of God on her life and got to respond. And I, and I have to believe that for those of you that were faithful in praying, I want you to know that the response this week of our children as it related to uh, what God was doing in their life was absolutely incredible. I've had some amazing conversations. I have the joy of working with the, the fifth and sixth graders. And so the conversations from the very first night, there was just a softness of these children's heart that I can only believe was because the Holy Spirit through your prayer was at work in their lives before they ever got here so that God had great soil to plant seeds in. And uh, it was a wonderful experience, and I certainly want to thank you for that. I know that there are some parents that are here today that have followed up because your kids made you come because today the day is the day they were giving away all the prizes. And downstairs right now, they are soaking Pastor Julie, which was what this machine was for over here. We had an offering every night, and they were raising money for um, uniforms for kids to go to school in Haiti and uh, each night it was a competition between the boys and the girls and there was a leader every night that was selected and if the boys won then the girls leader got soaked and and for the first time in eight years the boys let me down on the night that I was supposed to go in there and I have experienced what it was being like to be drenched for Jesus um, and Pastor Julie somehow managed to escape that every morning and every night, but not today. So all the kids are down there drenching her. So if you see her, just give her a hug. She'll make you wet. And uh, it was all for a great cause. I believe that we raised enough money for um, over 60 uniforms for the children this week, and we're thankful for that. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, I began a series that I was sharing with each of you as it relates to our church's vision and mission and values series. And two weeks ago, I began to minister to you about pursuing our vision and that our vision matches the heart of God in the sense that our vision is that we are locally to globally pursuing every heart with the love of Jesus because we don't believe that anybody should be excluded from the opportunity of hearing and being able to respond 
to the fact that Jesus has pursued them with his own life so that they could enjoy eternal life. And so our heart in the vision of our church and in the goals of our heart, it's a huge vision. It's, it's something that we will be aiming at for eternity, but it's the heartbeat of Jesus because he loves souls. And so that somehow in the efforts that we put forward that everybody that we come in contact with would have the opportunity to hear in a way that they can understand about what Jesus has done and what he's doing. We know that this vision activates our faith and our courage. Last week, we began to talk about our mission, and I, I divided that up into our mission is to be God's people, living in God's power, fulfilling God's purposes. And last week, we really only got to talk about what does it mean to be God's people. We understand that as a result of the relationship that Jesus has won for us and opened the door for us, that there are blessings that come into our lives. We are a blessed people. We spend a lot of time talking about what it means to be a royal priesthood, a chosen people that is a royal priesthood, understanding that those two offices were completely separate in the Old Testament. You were either royalty and you were a king or you were priest, but they were separate. But in Jesus, they were brought together, and we know that the priesthood from the, the curtain that was ripped at his death and the royalty of him being the king of kings was brought together and that as we as the people of God are working as God's chosen that we bring together the royalness of his nature and the priesthood of his nature and that in our vision and in our mission we are walking in the power of a living God who is still going forward and winning souls and taking kingdom for himself and also that the nature of us as a priesthood of believers allows us to do what we did this morning in praying for needs and, and understanding that it's not our name and it's not our authority, but in the authority and the power of Jesus' name working through the priesthood of believers, he does great things. Today I want to spend a little bit more time with what does the fingers look like? What is the actuality of, of being God's people in certain activities and and being in his power and fulfilling his purpose, what does that look like? And I'm, I'm not going to be long this morning. I could literally preach a message on every one of these, but I'm going to just kind of group them together so that we can understand what some of the behaviors will look like as we move forward. And I would appreciate it if you would turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4, and I want to read verses 1 through 5 to you, and I want you to know that when we are ordaining people, when, when men and women are coming to be ordained in the ministry, this is one of the passages of Scripture that we read. And I have often thought, sometimes we limit this particular call of ministry to just those who have an occupational call. But I believe that if we are fulfilling the vision of the church, that each and every one of us ought to feel the power of this direction as God lays it upon our hearts. We read in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, verse 1. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations. 
endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Heavenly Father, as we stand in your presence, we sense the emphasis of your Holy Spirit allowing each of us as a royal priesthood, a chosen nation to understand that we are under the directive of your heart to reach our world with the only news that is good news, and that's that Jesus has come to seek and to save. I pray that as we begin to outline what it means to be God's people, living in his power and fulfilling his purpose, and what the fingerprints of each of this looks like within our lives, that you would guide us that we would be able to fulfill the call you've laid on our heart. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to list some attributes that are going to be a part of who we are as we move forward fulfilling the mission of God for our church. Being God's people is the first one, and we are going to be God's people, first of all, in attitude. We will intentionally welcome with warmth and love all who interact with our Grace Assembly family. In Proverbs 23, 7, it says this, For as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. How many of you know that an attitude will make or break you? In fact, as you meet people, you will quickly recognize that either their attitude is one that becomes attractive to you and you either want to be around them, or they have an attitude that repels you. I believe with all of my heart that we as the people of God need to have an attitude that when people meet us, there is something about us that draws them to want to know more about us and ultimately give us the opportunity to speak to them about what makes our attitude good regardless of the circumstances of life that we are going through. I believe it was last year on this Sunday that we had Barry McGuire here, the one who sells polish for the cars because it was during the Syracuse Nationals. And, and what he ministered about on that Sunday was that every person that comes in contact with each of us should leave there being closer to Jesus than before they met us. Some of that means that it's just simply by our attitude that we present ourselves in such a way that the joy of the Lord is transferred to them in some way. Other people will give us the opportunity to speak directly into their lives. As a church, we want to be God's people in the attitude in which we portray. We want hurting people to feel as if they can be healed as a result of our attitude. We want people to feel as if they can find friendship and that they don't need to escape us. Those that are miserable need to find an attitude that leads them to places of happiness. I believe that our attitude reveals who we really are. In fact, we have made a motto based on an attitude of what people have responded to us and that we are a community of hope welcoming people home. There's an intrinsic nature that is described there that the attitude of us as God's people would be one that draws people to Christ through us. And so I ask us as we begin to look at our mission that we would demonstrate being God's people in the attitude that we have. Let your attitude be faithful, supportive, and patient. And through prayer and spending time with him, we can change our attitudes if it's not to that which God can do something in. Second of all, we're going to be God's people in servanthood. We follow the example of Jesus in serving our community and each other. I heard Pastor Julie make a statement, and I can't tell you which morning or which night because, frankly, they all ran together to me after about number three. 
But what she said was, if you are interested in developing friendships in the church, if you have felt isolated, that what you need to do is serve. Because as you enter into the serving nature, you will be joining hearts with others that are serving, and suddenly there are friendships and bonds that begin to develop because you are working together for a single cause. I have to tell you this week that I was overwhelmed by the amount of service that this church, church put forth in effort to win children's hearts to Jesus Christ. There was one night I was standing here and I began to count and I got to 54, that was the number of people that I could count upstairs that was working in order to touch the lives of children. Now here was the interesting thing of that. The very first year I got here, we did a kids crusade and I think the highest attendance of children that we had was 36. The very first one that we did, we had 36 kids. Eight years later, we have almost doubled that in just the workers that were here because you have understood that to be involved in the kingdom of God, to be involved in the mission of the church means that you must serve. And so I thank you for your service. I thank you for those who came and you painted. I thank you for those that came and blew up things with your breath. So that they could, I thank you for those that worked so hard because every person that entered into our church, especially those that weren't from here, came in the front door and they stood there in awe. They just looked around and said, I can't believe that this church loves children this much. I had conversations with people who said, our church would never do, we can't get anybody to work with the kids. And, and the reason is because if the kids aren't supporting the church, then we have to focus on those that are giving the offerings. I want to tell you something. I'm so thankful for your heart of service that understands that reaching them when they're young gives them the opportunity to have a life without the scars of sin that so many will carry. So thank you. I also want to share with you that there was something that had taken place in the aspect of, of worship this week that was different than any VBS I've ever been a part of. We are blessed with some very, very talented people that work with our children here. Pastor Julie is unbelievable as a children's pastor, and we've been blessed with another couple that moved in here that's the executive assistant uh, to our superintendent, Dr. Durst, in the McLaughlin family. And Hallie, who is also a minister, spent years in children's ministry, and she's taken over the worship team aspect of our children. The worship this week was so good, there were many times I closed my eyes and raised my hands and forgot that I was a crew leader and just begin to worship the Lord. And after a while, I'd open my eyes to see if they were still there because I'm not used to having to watch kids again. And, and so powerful was the worship. In fact, even this morning, there are some songs that we sing that instantly I want to just begin to break into the motions that we've learned all week. And so if, if I do that, it's not that I'm dancing. It's just I'm programmed. That will be the best dancing I will ever do until I'm in the presence of the Lord. But so thankful am I for the servanthood of those that use their gifts for the Lord. We also are going to be God's people in discipleship. We are committed to the process of becoming fully devoted, reproducing disciples of Jesus Christ. There should be an aspect of our life where there are those that are speaking into our lives 
we should be active in the involvement of the gospel in our life and we should also have people that are not as far along in their walk with Christ as we, that we are speaking into their life. We need these three positions, every one of us. Those who are discipling us, active in our intimacy with Christ, and those whom we are discipling in order for us to understand health. In the middle of that, it brings us to places where we are pursuing life transformation. So that daily as a church, we are striving to grow in Christ-likeness through spiritual disciplines of prayer and Bible study. I have said this often. I'm going to repeat it this morning. For those of you that know Christ and have been followers of Christ, if you can look back at a time in your life where you were closer to the Lord and more disciplined in the Lord than you are today, then you need to get from your backsliding and get back to where you were. We should be growing in Christ-likeness to the point where as we're just about to see him, we are more like him than we've ever been before because of the lifestyle of pursuing being like him. We also are going to be people of God in our generosity. I think that we should learn to live simply and work diligently and give generously. And in order to do that, there needs to be this sense of being contented with where we are and who we are. I believe in, in, in speaking to people all the time that there is this idea in our mind that, that there's just this one thing that's keeping me from joy. If I could just have this thing or if I could just achieve this. And so the question that I would ask you today is this. What one thing do you list? And if you were to fill in the blank, you would say, I will be happy when. Or I will be healed or, or maybe if I'm promoted or it may be when I'm married or maybe when I'm single or if I was rich and, and you finish the statement because whatever that thing is is the one thing that will keep you from contentment because that list should be Jesus Lord in you I am content in whatever state I'm in and if I can learn to be content with who I am in him and where I am and what he is doing then I can also learn in the middle of that to live simply and to work diligently and to give generously by being a generous individual, by living in contentment. Secondly, living in God's power, we will demonstrate that by, number one, being intentional about identifying and empowering and equipping every person to minister out of their gifts and passions through the power of the Holy Spirit. We are unashamedly Pentecostal in grace assembly we are thankful for the moving and the presence of the holy spirit this past week i believe it was tuesday night pastor julie had called us as leaders up and we were here and children were responding to us to come and, and we would pray for them and and i'd had quite a group that i had prayed with individually and as they kind of went back to their seats the worship team was sing, singing and I was sitting leaning with my back against the platform just kind of sitting on the floor and had my knees up and I, I had covered my face and as I was doing so I began to think in my mind of all of the things all of the demands of my life at this point and I, I remember saying to the Lord Lord I just prayed with a bunch of children but it's really me that needs prayer tonight I just I just need prayer tonight and I had barely finished getting those words out of my mouth when there was a tap on my shoulder. And I opened my eyes, and a little girl by the name of Samantha that's 11 years old had tears that were just streaming out of her eyes. And I looked at her, and I said, Sweetheart, what can I pray with you about? Is everything okay? And she says, No, 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 Pastor Doug. I, I was sitting in my chair, and she says, And I felt Jesus tell me you need to go and pray with Pastor Doug. 
And she looked at me and she goes, is there anything that I can pray with you about? And the first thought that came to my mind was, tell her no. Just say, no, honey, I'm good. I'm good. And about the time that I was, because I'm thinking, what 11-year-old needs to know the burdens of my heart? And about the time that I was to open my mouth to say, sweetheart, I'm good, I, I had one of those Holy Spirit slaps in your, in your spirit. Any of you ever had those? Maybe he's far more gentle with you than he is with me, but just kind of slapped me up the side of my head in the spirit and said, don't you dare lie to this girl. And I stood there and I looked her in the eyes and said, you know what? Yes, there is some things that you can pray with me about. And rather than going into a bunch of detail, I just shared with her a little bit of the stuff in the heart. And this 11-year-old girl took my hands. Do you know kids can pray powerfully? They're, the hair on my arm is standing up as I'm even talking about it. And Samantha just started out very simply saying, Jesus, I'm thankful that you love Pastor Doug. I was thinking, I'm thankful he loves me too. And she just prayed that whatever the needs on my life would be, that God would respond to her prayer. And it began to dawn on me that this is spiritual formation that's taking place. When we can put our children in an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit can begin to tap them on the shoulder and that they learn to respond in obedience to what the Holy Spirit is prompting their hearts, if we, as the great spiritual giants of adults that we're supposed to be, will just humble ourselves and let them be obedient, it's amazing what God can do. I thought if I had been honest with her and told her, you know what, sweetheart, I, my, my burdens are way too big for you, and so I just need you to, you know, if I had done that, I would have stopped what the Spirit was developing within her. And I ended up being the most blessed man in the room that night as a result of spiritual gifts being developed by listening to the voice of the Spirit. And she was, she was very hesitant. She goes, I don't know what's happening. I just know Jesus told me. And I'm going, I love it when Jesus is telling our kids things. And they're walking in obedience to what he's laying upon their heart. That's the kind of church we need to be. But that needs to be demonstrated in our obedience for our children that we would live out as God's people and his spiritual gifts. We also will live it out in relevance by meeting people where they are, being culturally sensitive while ensuring that we preach an uncompromised gospel. I had a wonderful conversation this week with uh, an African-American minister from our community who was, who was sharing with me some of the things on his heart, and he was, he was feeling, he says, we are missing something. He says, my church is all African-American. He goes, we're missing something culturally by separating. He says, what do you do? How do you accomplish this? And I had a great chance to talk to him about what does it mean for the church, the body of Christ, in all of its shades and colors, to be able to worship together, understanding each other's nature and background, and loving each other anyway. How does that look? And I want you to know, I believe God is about to do something magnificent in Syracuse because of a unity that's beginning to take place that's going to bring cultures together for the glory of God. And we need to be sensitive to that and how we approach that. Thirdly, we're going to be God's people by living with passion. 
For those of you that attend this church, you know I am not capable of preaching without being animated because I'm just passionate about the power of God. I believe that there should be a passion to your life. A passionless Christian is a powerless Christian. There needs to be something in your life that you get excited about besides sports. We need to know that ultimately we stand with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and that we can celebrate and with great joy live our life with a passion because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And there's a life that comes and flows through us when we live in the passion of God's power. And that's our desire. And thirdly, we will fulfill God's purposes by the way that we declare God's word. The uncompromising truth that salvation comes through Jesus Christ alone and that the Bible is God's infallible word must be known here. We live in a day and age, and we read about it in Scripture when Timothy was being charged with what kind of an atmosphere his culture was going to be in as he begins to proclaim. And we look at that and say, if that was the culture then, we certainly know prophetically today we are living in a culture where the word of God and the doctrines of truth are being watered down and compromised in so many ways. Let me tell you something, Grace Assembly. We will be unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the only power that can bring life to us. That must be the kind of people that we are by declaring it in our lifestyles and in the way that we live and the way that we speak to people. We also understand that there are different learning styles. And so while we proclaim the truth of God's word, we also need to understand that we will do it in different ways. There are some people that, that learn by hearing. There are other people that learn by seeing. Other people learn by doing. I've got a staff that every one of us is different in the way that we learn. And by the way they promote the gospel in different ways, different hearts are touched. But we will be thankful to declare his word. We will fulfill God's purposes by equipping you. One of the things that Pastor Mark says that I love so much, and if any of you have ever attended any of our new guest luncheons that we have on a monthly basis, one of the things that we say to all the people that have been coming to our church, Pastor Mark talks about, that he wants every student that comes through his youth ministry to be gospel fluent by the time they leave. In other words, he wants them to be able to not only know what they believe, but to be able to have a working knowledge of how do you explain that to somebody. Where do we find biblically the foundation that we stand on? Because if our students can do that, then they will transform their world for Jesus. I believe that we also in the church, sometimes we get to the point where all we want is to be fed. I want you to know that you need to be a feeder to those around you. And so we will work at equipping you to become gospel fluent and confident in your ability to share your faith in Jesus Christ. We also will be evangelistic. We will seek opportunities to engage unsaved people with the good news of the gospel because that is the only word that's going to matter. I think it's Bill Kirk that has said this. A hundred years from now, the only thing that's going to matter is who's in heaven and who's not. And if we keep that main thing the main thing, then we will be an evangelistic group and a church that's fulfilling its purpose by t sharing the news of Jesus Christ. We also will be a church that loves missions. You can't help it when you walk into our church. There's this big board of the world out there. And all of those strings represent world missionaries. And by the way, next week, next Sunday, we're going to be having a world missionary that I'm looking forward to interviewing for you. He's got a phenomenal testimony of what he and his family are going to do. And it fits within the value system of who we are and what we're doing. 
But not only are there strings that stretch out through all over the world, there's some things that are taking place locally here, ministries that, that we are involved with that you need to know about. We support our national Bible quiz director because we believe that Bible quiz is important. If you get the word of God into people's lives, it will stay there forever. We support Youth Alive, which is campus clubs and, and the church interacting with the public school system. We support Chi Alpha, which is a ministry to our college campuses. Right now, there's a Young Lives camp going on, and, and many of you know that the Young Lives ministry is, is taking some of our teenage girls who are mothers and, and taking them to a camp where there are people that are watching their children so that these girls can just be teenagers for a week and be engrossed in the power of God to change their lives. We support intercultural ministries. We support Native American ministries. We support Teen Challenge and Jewish ministries and New Hope, a ministry that is here locally as well as supporting Syracuse University's Fellowship of Christian Athletes. These are things we support because it's who we are to extend and reach out our hands and missions everywhere we can because we want to be a part of what God is doing, actively resourcing ministries and missionaries that support the values of Grace Assembly at home and abroad. And then we want to be a people that connects with one another. I've stated many times it's profoundly unfulfilling to be a part of a church and not know anybody. It's why we find that five minutes of greeting one another so important because we don't want anybody who ever comes here as a guest to leave there and say, that is the most unfriendly church I've ever been a part of. We want to be friendly by the nature of Christ within us. And for those of you who are here today because your kids brought you, welcome. I'm so glad they pressured you into coming to church. You will find that after they pressure you to come here that we will lovingly embrace you and cannot wait to make friends with you and that in those connections, God can begin to do a mighty work in your life. But we believe in living in community here where we serve each other, where we forgive each other, where we build each other up, and where we teach each other. And lastly, we will be a people that will be worshipers. I love to worship. Love to worship. Some of my best worship takes place in the car when no one's around. I roll up the windows and I can sing as loud as I want. If you pull up next to me at a stop sign or at a light and you see me singing, just, that's okay, let me go. I'm, God's in the car with me. And we're having a conversation. We're worshiping. This morning as we were praying with people, I want you to know that having people standing around you lifting up the name of Jesus while we're asking the Holy Spirit to do miraculous works, what an atmosphere that builds faith and joy and hope in the hearts of people. And I love this about our church, that we are a church that redeems the arts for the purpose of glorifying God. It's part of the DNA of our church that we have fine arts, the kids that work so hard to be able to declare a gospel message, some of them through human video, some of them through drama, some of them in short sermons, and the different ways they're so talented, and our coaches and Pastor Mark and his team do such a great job. But we are going to be a people that worships in every avenue that we can. And I want to conclude today by calling all of our youth up front, and Pastor Mark, those that are going to be taking off to go to Houston this week for our nationals, those that are coming to camp, I'm going to ask all of you to stand if you would, please.
before next Sunday, these kids are getting on an airplane and they're flying to Houston, Texas for the National Fine Arts Festival. Some of them, after just serving all week at our VBS, are going to be going to camp this week. Pray for their voices and their strength and their energy. Pastor Mark has worked so very hard this week, and now he's about to leave this afternoon to go and manage the camp. Pray for him. Because when he comes home, he's going to have just enough time to give Mel all of his dirty clothes so she can wash them real quick, throw them in suitcase, and then they're off again on Saturday to fly out. There's people that are standing here that have spent literally hours and hours and hours over these past month coaching these students in how to use their gifts and talents through arts to describe God's glory. Some of us are going to be tuning in when we get the online feeds for what's going on so that we can follow them. There's a Facebook page, is that correct, that will be up for us to find out how they're doing. It doesn't matter to me whether they're first in the nation or not. What matters to me is that they're willing. They're willing. Lord, here I am. Send me. I'm going to ask that you guys would spread out all the way across here, and then I'm going to ask for those of you to come and gather around these kids and these leaders, if you would. I'd like to have several people with a hand on the shoulder of everybody that's up here. Just begin to come, if you would.